Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Ask Stephanie show on the Coffee Clatch Network. Tonight we have a wonderful guest with us. Dr. Sachs has a PhD in clinical and school psychology. She's a licensed psychologist in both New York and Florida, and she has many years of research and clinical experience working in the field of anxiety and stress. Um, and what specifically brought me to Dr. Sachs is she, has, she had done a dissertation and focused on anxiety management and working um, with dating anxiety, which is something that we're going to talk about today because um, for people who struggle with anxiety and OCD and other related disorders, um, dating can be really, really difficult. And it's something that I, I want to talk about as far as young adults and teenagers, as people who have um, OCD and also dating people who have anxiety and OCD and how that can be for them because it, it really works both ways. So we're going to talk a lot about that um, tonight. So welcome to the show, Dr. Rebecca Sachs. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about this. Absolutely. I'm so happy you're here. It's a great, great topic, and I'm excited to jump right into it. So um, before we get started, I just want to talk a little bit about how understanding anxiety and OCD um, and how it relates then to, to dating. Sure. So, yeah, and I think – oh. I no, think no, this topic <laughs> is relatable to everyone, whether you have anxiety or whether you have OCD. Dating's not easy, and relationships aren't easy. And For anyone. They bring, exactly, and they bring sort of their own set of stressors and sort of ways that we can tend to doubt ourselves or the way that we can doubt what we're doing in a situation. But for people who particularly struggle with anxiety or OCD, it can add a whole other layer to the dating situation, and I think it's important important sometimes for people to be able to recognize that, mainly um, so they're not feeling so bad, and also so they can really date and be in relationships more successfully the way they want to. Absolutely. And I think a big thing with anxiety is that people who have anxiety avoid situations. And yeah. so avoidance is a big thing. It comes, it comes into play as far as when we're feeling anxious or nervous, we just avoid the whole thing, which is not what, what young adults and teenagers and, and adults who have anxiety really want. So we want to stop that avoidance and sort of deal with it head on um, and, and get, them, get people to open up to the idea of dating. So... Um, as far as, and I want to, we, we were talking about this earlier, but t- today in this, you know, it's 2014, dating is all about, it's, it's all online, right? It's texting, it's, yep. there's so many different avenues for chats and online dating, and there's just, I could, there's so many to name. But um, what do you think about that for people that have anxiety or OCD? Do you think that these are good avenues for them or what are the negatives? I'm curious to hear your spin. Sure. I think just like everything in life, there are pluses and minuses to it. So the reality is um, we are living in this amazing age of technology where we can connect to different people in so many different ways. We can express ourselves in so many different ways. And I really do think online dating and just being able to make ourselves accessible through texting or seeing a person through Facebook um, is 
really, really wonderful, but it also brings its unique set of challenges. Um, you know, some downsides that I can think of are just texting. When you put something in writing, it's sort of there forever. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll put stumps stuff out impulsively with a sense of urgency, especially when we're anxious. Like, I got to respond. I got to respond. And maybe we and don't then I think also the anxiety of waiting for the response. Exactly. Is, is brings a lot of anxiety to people, even people who don't suffer from anxiety. When you put that text out to someone and you're, you're vulnerable and you're newly dating and you're waiting for someone's response back, it, it can be really difficult. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I do think it's a it's an interesting dance. One of the things that I tell my patients is to be less concerned about what the other person is thinking because we can get sort of wrapped up in this mind spiral. What are they thinking? What are they doing? How are they reacting to this? And for each step of the way when they're doing stuff on online dating, whether it's sending a message or even clicking on a person's picture, sending a text, um, making a comment on on Facebook or deciding how, what's your relationship status going to be, really how are you feeling at that moment, right. sort of what are the emotions, what are the emotions while you're waiting, what are the emotions when they respond, and even physically, you know, our physical cues give us a lot of insights into our anxiety, so, mm-hmm. and just sort of being able to sit with that distress, that while you're waiting, maybe feeling that pit in your stomach, rather than urgently sending another text and another text and another text, being willing, and this is sort of along with all anxiety, sort of hanging with that discomfort for a little longer and just paying attention to what it's like. I think it's really, really helpful because it lets people act um, in a more effective way during dating, but people also really start to learn more about themselves and gain better coping skills on how to manage their dating anxiety and other anxiety just by being willing to sit with a little discomfort. Is there like a rule of thumb for people who are listening and are struggling with something like that to say like, one text is enough or this is how long you should wait, you know, a day, 20 minutes, an hour, like back and forth with a text. How long should that continue? Um, Like I think people really, regular people struggle with it. Anyone that has extra anxiety is probably more. But I know people probably just sometimes don't know the guidelines as to what is, what's okay. Sure. It's hard because I don't like to give people rules um, because we can then sort of get rigid and stick with the rules. Um, But Mm -hmm. I do think one thing that I tell especially a lot of teenagers who are struggling in this area um, in terms of how do they really understand what they want, how they're feeling, what do they want to put out there, I sort of give the 12-hour rule that if you want to send a text, if you want to reach out, if you want to sort of put yourself out there, um, really wait a half a day. So if you get that urge in the morning, wait until later on that day in the afternoon or evening. And I if like you that. Still, if you still really want to do it, then give yourself permission and say it's okay. Or if at nighttime you're sitting in bed and you want to text that guy that you like or that girl that you like, sleep on it. Literally wait from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. And again, if after that, that urge is still there, then I say give yourself permission. So if you're going to talk about sort of a hard and fast rule, I like the 12-hour rule. But if people can push themselves even more, what I would really say is it's almost like a mindfulness technique. We talk about being in 
in the moment is mm-hmm. just sort of sitting there. And if you need to close your eyes, you don't have to close your eyes, but just almost doing a scan of how am I feeling in this moment. And if you're realizing you're feeling really jumpy and edgy and irritable, then just notice what is sort of jumpy and irritable feel like and what happens with that jumpiness and irritability. A lot of times we notice if we just pay attention to sort of how we're feeling, um, some of these negative sensations that are associated with anxiety um, will start to dissipate. And then we're able to think more clearly and maybe either really understand, do I want to talk to this person? Do I want to tell them I like them? Do I want to ask them out on a date? Um, do I really feel comfortable doing that? And this is really sort of in line with what I want. And then being able to effectively move forward and ask ask the person out in a really nice and elegant way. Um, but right. it, it, that's a certain level of sophistication to be able to sit there and just really, really pay attention. So at the very least, I would say sort of give yourself permission for that half day. Okay. Now, I mean, in talking about even just like we were saying with texting, there's also a lot, uh, you know, that we can talk about as far as what is being put out there and sexting and texting each other as we are dating nude photos or photos that may not be appropriate that you may feel like as a young adult you feel like in the moment that you are feeling sexy and you want to send something out there and then you're very regretful after so what do you say to something like that um i would say this doesn't even apply to us adolescents this applies to everybody yes absolutely Um, it's while we said this technology is wonderful and it allows us to connect, there's also sort of a permanence to this. And while there are certain elements to us that are sexy and we like to activate that in certain moments, the reality is, is you know, we're very full people and probably in our professional lives and in our social lives, we don't always want to be considered sexy. So to have those pictures out there can be a very, very dangerous thing. Um, I always like to say, don't send pictures, even things like Snapchat, where people think it's out there for two seconds and then disappears. The reality is, is they've actually said with technology like Snapchat, the images are still out there. So I sort of say, if you don't mind your grandmother seeing it, go right. ahead and send it. Or your it. principal. I, I, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that applies to everyone. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I do think on the flip side, just because why not talk about the flip side, that I think that for people who are struggling with um, a social anxiety, that maybe people really aren't able to see their true self in person. Mm. And they really are people that have a lot to offer. And I, and I know people um, that, that I know in my, in my life, professionally and personally, that are really wonderful people who have a lot to offer. But in, in a social setting, especially in a big group, you really don't get a sense of who they are. And then when they are able to have a one-on-one um, relationship on a, a text or something like that, they, it really, they really blossom. And they come out and they're able to express themselves and say things to someone that they feel comfortable with. And I think in that sense, it is really a wonderful thing because maybe they are just slow to warm up, especially mm-hmm. in a group and where when you are dating at, at first, especially, you're able to express yourself the way you really want to be shown. And, and then after you are able to then get to know the person a little bit better. Do you think that it helps someone like that warm up? 
Um, I think it does create a forum or a space where people are allowed to maybe make themselves a little bit more vulnerable because it mm-hmm. seems like it has um, less consequences or less higher consequences to it. And, yeah, in, in some ways people really can start to be themselves a bit more, maybe on chat or through text. The only thing that I would sort of really emphasize is ultimately, and I'm going to say this is for the majority of people, not everyone, but ultimately the majority of people want an in-face sort of person-to-person relationship. And so there eventually has to be that jump from the technology relationship to the in-person relationship. Absolutely. Um, I'm assuming that's what most people want. So, and I think there's also that that if they if they have if they're one person in a text and then one person in person the next day, you're leaving somebody with saying, "Well, who are you?" And I my expectations are for for the person who's texting me these wonderful things, but then I see you in person and you're nothing like that because you're socially uncomfortable and there's that confusion that I think that people probably have. And when you're saying that, it reminds me of another really important point is when we're getting to know a person, there's so much more to um, how we connect with a person than just our words. There's so much sort of nonverbal element in attraction and also in expression for ourselves. That text is really sort of one piece of information or words are one piece of information. Um, and so to really let a person get to see who you are, they probably want to see in a way how do you bat your eyes? How do you move your mm-hmm. body? How does your voice inflect and things like that, um, which one can really sort of change attraction and connection. But And then also sometimes people can get in fights pretty quickly over text. A fight right. can escalate very, very quickly, especially when you're in those early stages and people are feeling unsure and vulnerable. And when you're right, missing that nonverbal element. Or... Right. It, it can get a little dicey unnecessarily. So I would actually also encourage people, even if it's somewhat freeing to be able to have a conversation um, over text, there may come certain critical points, even in the getting to know you stage, that just pick up the phone. You know, that sort of nonverbal inflection of the voice can change how much um, a person really is understanding what you're trying to say as you're getting to know a person. Um, yeah, makes a lot of it, sense. Yeah. So what I also, I mean, I, it's, we're speaking a lot about anxiety, but I, I do want to touch on, and I don't want to miss this, is just how OCD can be really different from anxiety yes. and how, how it can really affect your dating. Yes. Yeah, so, so OCD, oh, yeah, I was going to say, so if you could even just explain just for people who aren't even sure exactly, because I think there's a lot of misconception with OCD, sure. what is the difference? Sure. Yeah. So I'll start with just sort of anxiety in general. What anxiety typically is, is some kind of feeling of discomfort or distress, um, and maybe just thinking you're feeling uncomfortable. And then what we often see is avoiding certain situations that sort of trigger our um, discomfort or distress. And I would say dating anxiety in general tends to be somewhat of a social anxiety or a social phobia. Like the same thing as public speaking. The idea of public speaking makes us feel really uncomfortable, so we're going to avoid situations where we have to publicly speak. The reality is, is if we want to have a relationship, we can't avoid dating or going online or going to singles events or being set up. 
Mm-hmm. OCD is a little different, though. Um, what OCD is, is we have these two things called obsessions and compulsions. And what obsessions are, they tend to be these sort of intrusive, irrational thoughts or urges um, that most people don't want them and don't really like them and feel like they don't have that much control. That's the intrusive part of it. It sort of comes out of nowhere and you want to push it away, but you can't. And then there's the compulsion part of it. What the compulsion part is, is having to do some kind of behavior or some kind of ritual to alleviate the discomfort you're feeling when you're having those thoughts, those intrusive thoughts. So that may be in some ways avoiding certain situations, but more often than not, it's actually having to do some kind of ritual, either a ritual that other people get to see or a ritual that's going on in their mind. What I would say, one big ritual or compulsion that you often see in regards to OCD and dating is this need for reassurance. A lot of times people call OCD the doubting disease. People doubt things in general. So when your OCD has to do with contamination, I doubt that I'm going to um, not get sick if I touch this thing. In regards to dating, it's sort of the doubt, does this person like me? Will something happen in this relationship? What are they thinking of me? Are they going to cheat on me in some way? Um, And then there comes this need to ask for the reassurance or sort of playing over in your mind, this reassurance. Um, So that's one thing that people can really start to recognize is when they're constantly asking for reassurance for sort of irrational thoughts that are going on that are prompting them to ask for reassurance. That's one way that um, we can say this is really more in the OCD realm than than just anxiety. Um, But it can also play out in other ways. You know, people who are sort of have obsessions and compulsions about contamination or health issues. Most of us think kissing's fun and, you know, and right. And it's no, enjoyable and it feels point, good. But someone else can be sort of right. I don't want their dirt. Right, right, exactly. Or, you know, I see that person and are they taking their it personally. Nose. They would be. Yeah. Someone who's dating yeah. someone that feels that way is taking it personally. Exactly, exactly. So if you kiss a person and then you start putting Purell all over your lips or you're holding hands in the movie theater and you're seeing as soon as you get out, the person's Purelling their hands constantly. Um, again, the individual with OCD may even know it's irrational, may even know mm-hmm. this pers- the likelihood that I'm going to get sick from kissing this person. But there's sort of that just icky feeling that they have that they don't want and they feel like they need to do this compulsion in order to feel better. Um, And that's another way that OCD can sort of play out that's a little different from traditional anxiety. Um, So this brings me to a very important question. What do you think? Do you think people come clean and say right off the bat, look, I have OCD, this is the deal and I'm working on it, or do they hide it? What, like, what, what do you think is the, obviously not hiding it, but, you know, is the way to go. But many people try to say, I'm going to mask this because I don't want somebody not to date me because of my OCD. So do you think that's difficult? I mean, as we know, if you mask, try to mask things, sometimes they become more obvious. Um, but do you, do you come right out at the beginning of a relationship and risk somebody not wanting to date you because of your OCD? That's, this is a fear for people. 100%. 
Yeah, I think in my clinical practice, what I've seen is most people do wait a little bit of time at the very least. Um, that it, this is something personal and they feel that it's something big. Um, what I tend to do in my conversations with individuals is, again, focus less on what is your partner going to think and more how do you feel. Do you feel like this person has earned your trust? Um, and that's really what I like to focus on. I do think it's important earlier than later to sort of share this, especially if it's going to play out in a relationship. Um, and one of the big reasons why it's probably important to let a partner know you have OCD is, again, no matter what your obsessions and compulsions are, we know that people tend to ask for some form of reassurance, whether it be reassurance, am I going to get sick, whether it be reassurance, is this thing harmful, whether it be reassurance, do you love me? However it is, we know individuals with OCD tend to bring their family members, their friends, their rom- romantic partners into sort of this reassurance circle. And we we know therapeutically the most important thing for people in um, the lives of individuals with OCD is to not give the reassurance. To be able to say is, that's an OCD question, and I'm not going to answer it. That would just right. be reassurance, and that really helps the individual. But the partner has to understand that. So I do think there comes a point where when we're dating, our partners need to understand how they can best support us. But um, And we want to do that earlier than later. But it doesn't have to be on the first date. It doesn't have to be on the second date. It doesn't even have to be on the third date. What I tend to work with with my patients is saying, let them know when you trust them. And I think mm-hmm. that sort of goes along with non-OCD dating as well. Absolutely. We all have sort of there, everyone has something. things in our lives that we right. sort of are hiding or saying, I don't want to disclose up front. And part of the real big thing is sort of knowing, when is this person a safe person to share this very personal information with? And that's more, again, saying less being concerned, what is the other person thinking, and more, what am I thinking, and how am I feeling? And I find that tends to be a nice guide for individuals in trying to navigate this issue. And I think also in reading um, a lot about this and and knowing, again, people who are struggling with this, I think sometimes not making it into a grandiose conversation can be a good thing, too, and making, putting some humor in it and making it into a little joke and saying, you know, like, okay, so this is my OCD, and, you know, making it into something where, like, people think that it's socially acceptable, it can make a young adult feel much more comfortable about talking about it. Yes, Um, I'm so glad you bring up humor. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like throwing humor in it can really make... both parties feel much more comfortable with it. It makes all the difference because a lot of times when a person really is ramping up and feeling irritable and feeling annoyed and their obsessions are really, really bothering them, they can get a little edgy, just like we all are when we're not doing our best for whatever reason. And the partner can often be confused. They sort of don't know how to react. I want to be supportive, but this person almost seems to really not be happy with me. So I try to give couples or individuals tools on how they can sort of fall back on humor. So here's an example. Um, One patient that I was seeing is her obsessions, even though she had a wonderful boyfriend, they had been dating for years. He was very, very committed to her. They were probably moving towards engagement and now they're even living with each other. But her obsession was he's going to cheat on me. He's going to leave me. And she would compulsively, when she first started to see me ask 
ask, where are you going? What are you doing? Um, are you going to cheat on me? And she really wanted to stop. So mm-hmm. part of what we did to help the boyfriend out, to sort of let him off the hook, was she gave him a present of a magic eight ball. So, you know, those sort of black magic yeah. eight balls that when of you course. turn it over, <laughs> and then the response is, maybe likely, or um, oh, I love ask that. again That's another so time. Yes. And so he didn't even need to, it sort of really took the onus off of him because this was his way of not having to get reassurance. He didn't even have to come up with his answer. The eight ball came up with it. That is awesome. I love that. Yes. And they found Giving that away to other people. That's a good one. I love that one. (laughs) That's such a good tip. I love that. Yeah, that's great because I think it's sort of, it's like both parties want it to go away, but making it into somewhat of a, funny humor sort of game. And they got to add a little affection and connection over that. And they just knew that when they took out the eight ball, it reminded them, we really love each other. We really are affectionate with each other. We have a lot of humor in this relationship. And we're not going to let OCD sort of bully us around, you know? We're going to dismiss OCD in this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think also showing, like, in the media, like Lena Dunham and Girls, I think she's a great person for people to be able to watch and say, like, First of all, she struggles with it in her personal life, in her real life, and on. And I love how she has it in the show as well, because I think it's showing that she's a, a regular girl who's struggling with OCD, and she's dating with it, and what it's like, and the, the the struggles of it. I think it's great, and so even being able to show people just like a TV, or be able to say like a TV show to say, this is look, she's struggling with it. This is what it is. For people who aren't so sure, is is a good point of reference, which I think people need sometimes. And I think you're right. I think Girls actually has done a really nice job in giving a realistic portrayal of what it's like to live with OCD overall. Um, Yes. So, and I think importantly, what I was going to touch on was just not only is it for the person struggling um, with OCD, but the person who is dating the person who has anxiety or OCD, it can be really difficult for them because they love and care about this person and they really want it to work out, but it can be irritating to them and aggravating when they feel like they're confused. They don't know why they keep asking them these questions or these compulsions. And I think it's probably very important to be able to have them really understand why they're doing this and that it's not something that they should be taking personal, but Mm -hmm. really something that they can both get help with as far as a couple. Like if you want to be able to move on to the next step in your relationship, that you both need to be on board. It's not like a one person who just the person who has OCD that needs help. It's really both parties um, that, that really need to be involved in trying to get past this and understand that this is something that you're going to live with or if it's something that you're going to one day get married and spend the rest of your life with that you really need to be able to understand and cope with what it's like to live with someone with OCD or anxiety. Right. And I think it is also, though, important to note that OCD isn't this thing that is sort of untreatable or that there's nothing to be done. It's a great point. 
Yeah, one of the really wonderful things is we have this really great therapy called exposure and response prevention or exposure and ritual prevention that along with other forms of cognitive behavioral therapy really is a powerful tool for helping people be able to sort of rein in their compulsive behaviors and then also learn how to dialogue differently with sort of these intrusive thoughts. So a person who I really does love have- that you shared that because I think it's important for people to say that it shouldn't be this ultimate turnoff that like no. it is something that absolutely can be treated and dealt with and yes. that there are many different things even medicine and things that you know people do to make this very manageable in their life and 100%. it shouldn't be this this thing that people say well they have OCD so I can't date them kind of a thing right right right, right. and even or I have OCD for- so I can't date you know I mean it's, exactly. it's very manageable Exactly. Like for the person who sort of gets icked out at the thought of kissing or even beyond kissing, other ways that we can sort of be icked out with physical intimacy, um, there really are with exposure and response prevention. What we would do is we would sort of expose the person on a lower level to something that triggers them to make them feel uncomfortable. Um, So maybe um, the therapist would even lick their own finger with a little bit of spittle um, Mm -hmm. and then have the patient touch that same finger and then lick their own finger. You know, just to sort of say is, in some ways I'm getting exposed to another person's saliva. And for a person with OCD, that may make them feel really, really uncomfortable, but by then licking their finger, um, it's going to make them feel uncomfortable, they're going to hang out with that discomfort, and they're really going to sort of rewire or retrain their brain and their body to feel differently about sort of other people's saliva. And you do this step by step by step, sort of upping the ante, so the reality is, is then people People with OCD is by sort of engaging in this therapy, they're getting to the point where their brain and their body are reacting really differently to interaction with other people's saliva, and they're kissing their partner, and it feels good, and they're not feeling icked out in the same way. Um, so there really is, it requires work, and it of course requires, you know, it sounds a little torturous right now to a person with OCD if I'm telling them this is what they have to do, but it's really doable, um, and again, you use a lot of humor and you use a lot of support while you're doing it with your therapist, and it really gets you to the place where you want to be, to the life that you want, to a successful dating life or to a successful relationship. So as you said, this is all so, so, so doable. None of these are kind of sentences in any way that you're going to be alone or miserable. Um, We really have this nice, elegant therapy that works, thank goodness. That's fantastic. I mean, I think that this is such an important topic, and like we said, I think it's not just for young adults that are just into ent- entering into the world of dating. But um, I think this is for parents listening um, that can help their young adult to say w- it's important to encourage yourself to get out there and to encourage it is a healthy thing to be able to date and, and get out into the world and meet other people. And I think it's important for adults who are are struggling with dating to realize there's really so many topics we covered, but to really, I think the takeaway today is to be able to say that, yes, there are going to be points um, when struggling with OCD or anxiety where you are uncomfortable and it is going to be difficult and it may not, it, it may not be easy, but in the end, there's, there's just this wonderful sort of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which is that you're going to be able to, have a successful relationship and be in the world and meet different people and that is and spend your life with someone. So mm-hmm. although there may be a little work that you need to do both, 
you know, on your own and with your partner. It is really, there. there is a really wonderful reward in this. And I think that dating is just, you know, such an important part of many people's lives. So I, I thank you so much for being here. We could probably go on for like the next hour <laughs> or two about this. But um, please, if you want to um, tell our listeners where they can find out um, more about you, if they have any questions. Where would sure. Sure. Probably the best thing for people to do is to look me up on psychologytoday.com where I have a profile, um, and they'll see a little bit more about me and all my contact information. Great. And um, people listening, you can always um, go on to archive, www.thecoffeeclatch.com, or my website will have the interview, www.askstefanie.com, Ask Stephanie. And I will be tweeting this and posting this on the Ask Stephanie Facebook page. Um, it's a really, really wonderful topic, especially there's prom season coming up. So that's what sort of got me thinking about doing a topic like this. But it's really for anyone. Dating is something that people are doing every single day. So um, I really encourage people to share this interview with loved ones and people that may be struggling with anxiety and OCD and social anxiety and dating. It's really, we got some really wonderful tips um, from Dr. Rebecca Sachs. So thank you so much for being with us tonight and really appreciate it. It's a great interview. My Thanks pleasure. again. Thank you. Take care.